Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. We pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring scripture alive for us. Lord, help us to enter in to the story of this final night. In Christ's name, amen. Well, good evening. My name is Brian Morgan. I am one of the pastors here at Church of the Holy Spirit, and we are glad that you are here tonight. I'm sorry that we have gathered under these circumstances. Many times God's people gather. It's a great celebration event, but tonight we gather for a funeral. We gather for a funeral. No funeral is easy. So whether you're here online worshiping with us or you're here face to face, it's not an easy event. Tonight we gather to remember, to celebrate, to commemorate the death of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He was a real person. No serious historian, sociologist would deny that Jesus was a real person and he really did live. But you know, he also really did die. For thousands of years, the church has gathered on a night just like tonight, Good Friday, to remember, to walk these final hours, to think about, to chew on that he lived, but that he died. So if you're here tonight and you're saying, look, I'm not a Christian, I'm just exploring, I'm traveling this road with you all, then I want to encourage you, you are in the right place. We want to encourage you on your spiritual journey, wherever you are, to explore this person of Jesus. And I especially want to encourage you. It is a truth that will change your life. But it's a funeral. That's why we are here. This night, as the church is celebrated, is a night where we don't have communion. There's no communion tonight. There's this old saying, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Tonight, it's Friday, and we're going to stay on Friday. No communion. We do this kind of thing all the time in our life. We go to an event, and then we look back on the event from the past. Think about Christmas. We do it every year. We celebrate Christmas, remembering what happened in the past. Perhaps we make grandma's brownies trying to remember her or great Christmas stories from the past. And we want to enter in, in the present, to what happened in the past. That's what we're doing tonight. We do it with birthdays. We do it every New Year's. We do it with St. Patrick's Day. Somebody asked me, why do we do it St. Patrick's Day? And I said, you know, I don't know why, but we do it. So tonight, you and I can do it. We can enter fully into this funeral moment. It's Friday. We're staying on Friday. As pastors, we're wearing black and purple. It's not celebratory. It's just not. It's symbolizing a funeral, a rejection, of blood spilt. It's a personal, personal thing. If you were here last Sunday, Tim preached this sermon where he, he looked at Jesus' final moments in those final days, and Jesus over and over said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. In the Gospels, you see it three times. He says, look, I'm going to die. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be crucified. 
It's going to be a bloody mess. It's personal. Tonight, we're here for a funeral. That's personal. The death of Jesus Christ. Turn with me to John 19. If you've got a Bible, if you've got your Bible app, it's a passage we just read. And we're going to look at what were these final moments for Jesus? What were these final things? And what are some pointers along the way that speak about what it was like in this final funeral? Here's what I want you to think about. The death of Jesus Christ was a moment in history that brought finality. What do I mean by that? This is what I mean by that. The death of Jesus Christ brought a moment in history where it drew a line in the sand. Something happened. Something was changed. It was a determinative moment. There's a moment before, and there's something different and a moment after. It was decisive. uh, decisive. It was deliberate. It was deterministic. Jesus didn't end up in the back alley by accident. He knew exactly what he was doing. And it brought completion. So follow along. John 19, there's four moments we see where there's this great proof from John and from Jesus himself that this was a moment of determination. So look, John 19, verses 1 to 16. This is the lead up. He's handed over to Pilate. They're taking him out to be crucified. Verse 17, they took Jesus, and when he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull in Golgotha, that's when we all stood up. And then you run into verse 23 and 24, and that's our first stop along the way here. This is the first moment when you say, oh my gosh, this was a moment that brought finality. Look what happens, 23 and 24. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they divided them into four parts, and one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one place from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for to see it. Who shall it be? This was to fulfill the scripture which it said, They divided my garments among them. And from my clothing they cast lots. What's happening? The soldiers know this is a finalistic moment. Why? Because they're saying, he's not going to come down off the cross. Let's take his clothing. Let's divide it up. Let's play a little dice game and to figure out who's going to get that tunic at the end of the day. You know, some some, uh, historians say Jesus was really tired on the cross and he kind of passed out because it was, whew, it's kind of hot up here. And he passed out and he just got wooed. No, they knew he was not coming down. You know why? They had seen thousands of people crucified, and they knew he was not coming down alive. That was a moment. The line was drawn in the sand. Jesus is coming down, and he's going to be dead. That's the first one. Go to 2830. Here's the second one. After this, listen to the words from Jesus himself. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now, what's the word? Did you hear that? Say it again. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. 
The jaw of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge in the sour wine and hyssop branch. They held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Right from his own lips, Jesus is saying, My death is bringing this chapter to an end. Oh, something comes later, but that's not where we are tonight. We're at a funeral tonight. So Jesus himself, he says, look, this event is bringing to an end. Next one, 32 to 34. This is our next moment of proof about Jesus' death being a death of finality. Verse 30, let's start at 31. Since it was the day of preparation so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other. Remember, Jesus had two others on both sides who were being crucified with him. They broke the legs of the first and the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. And they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. What's happening? It was uh, Passover, and the Jews did not want to defile the special day, the holy day of Passover. People were crucified all the time back then. It was not a big deal to have dead bodies strung up on crosses all around town. But they said, look, it's Passover. We don't want to leave this body and defile the moment in this guy, Jesus. If we don't like him, it doesn't really matter. We just don't want to defile the moment. So why don't you go around and break their legs? So what do they do? Imagine that the nails are going through your wrists, through your hands, some combination of that. They're going through your foot. The only way you would breathe is you push yourself up on your legs and then you... So how do you die? Man, they just, they break your legs. You're not pushing on your legs then. So you die probably with throw up in your mouth, with spit in your mouth, and you're asphyxiated. You don't breathe anymore. There was a moment in the sand. Something was finished at that moment in history. And the soldiers knew it. They were non-believers. They knew it. They said, we don't need to break his legs. He's already dead. They shoved it in there. Water and blood came out. Psh, he's done. Thank goodness we cast lots for his clothes. We knew he wasn't coming down. Folks, Jesus was dead. It was a funeral. But there's one more. One more proof that this was a moment of finality. Go to verse 38. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. If he was just passed out, why would they say that he was dead? Why would they cast lots for his clothes? Why would they not break his legs if he was just wooed by the humidity? He wasn't. He was dead. 
clearly Jesus' death was planned, it was real, and it was final. You know, funerals are hard, though. Funerals are hard for lots of reasons. One, sometimes funerals come and they're an accident. Not that the funeral is an accident, but what happened before the funeral was an accident. Maybe it's a car wreck. Maybe somebody got sick really suddenly. Maybe there was an overdose or a suicide. Tragic events, and it happens really quick, and then, and then the funeral is right then. Those are tough moments if you've been to those funerals. Or maybe the person that died, you wanted to have closure and you didn't. You said, I really wish I'd written that letter. I really wish I'd said those things to that person. And I'm just sad that it ended that way. That's not what this was like. This was not a slip up. This wasn't an accident. This is a funeral that was planned. Planned by Jesus. Planned by God. A bloody death. But as Westerners, Americans in particular, we want to avoid death at all costs. Sometimes we keep things alive just because we don't want them to die. Plants. Sometimes people. Pets. We had our first pet was Morgan the hamster. Beth, you remember him? He was such a sweet little hamster. And he was sick. And we took him to the vet so we wouldn't die. What you will do to keep things alive, right? Think about during the Middle Ages. They had pandemics. They had plagues. They had death all the time. And in those days, the church had this really important part to play. That when a death happened, or an important event happened, the church would ring its bells as a reminder of the event, of the reminder of the funeral, of the reminder of the death. So if you were in the field and you were working and you heard far off your church bells, you knew something was happening. You knew there was probably a death. A funeral. It was common. John Donne was an author, an Anglican scholar, and a priest, and a poet. And he lived in the 1500s, 1600s, and he wrote lots of poems. And he himself understood death. He understood funerals. His dad died when he was four. He and his wife lost four kids. One stillbirth, one at 18, and two others. He himself died almost in 1623. He suffered terribly, and they thought he was gone. And somehow he traveled on. And in some of his poems, he speaks of death. Why? Because it's part of life. And one of his poems in particular, it started in a sermon and then it rolled up to a poem. He preached it in February 29th, 1627. And he says this. He says, from whom the bells of death toll, it tolls for thee. He continues. He's speaking of Good Friday. He says, during Lent, you hear the bells of death toll 
for Jesus. You hear the bells ring, knowing that Jesus' death and funeral are coming. And he says this, are the bells of death also not ringing for you? Are the bells of death ringing for Jesus only, or are they inviting you in as well? When we hear and we see the funeral of Jesus, is it not an invitation for our own funeral as well? See, tonight we are here to commemorate and think about the death of Jesus, but we're also here, if you choose, for your own funeral as well. Have you died in Jesus Christ? Have you died? Do you know the death bells? Now you may be asking this question, why do I need to die? Let me ask you this. We're all going to die. Are you going to die and you're going to be wrapped around all of your good things and all your bad things and your whole life and you hope that's enough? Is that how you're going to die? Or are you going to die and you're going to be wrapped around the righteousness of Jesus Christ and him alone? Let me ask you this. Aren't there things in your life that you know you want to have dead? Aren't there things in your life you said, I would love to get that out of my life. I would give anything to get that out of my life. That's what this funeral for you tonight is. It's a time to die. Here's a few things. Alcohol. Are you wrestling with alcohol? I know you are. I have conversations with people almost every week who say they're wrestling with alcohol. I have good friends. I have family members. I've seen marriages ruined, lives ruined. Don't you want that to die tonight? It can. What about lust? Sure, sexual lust. What about lust for power? Are you tired of always feeling like you have to have the upper hand, that you have the right answer, that you know the best way to do it? And that's going to wear you out the rest of your life. Don't you wish that could be gone? It can tonight at your funeral. That's why we're here. Friends, we're at a funeral tonight. What about anger? Just this past week, I had a great breakfast with a friend of mine, and he said, you know, I can get angry the drop of a hat. Is that you? What's stirring that anger? Don't you want to get rid of that anger? You can tonight. You can let Jesus Christ kill that anger. What about this one? Your body image. Trying so hard to look a different way. 
It's exhausting. Wouldn't you love that to be gone? It can. It can go in the grave with Christ and with you. What about fear? Maybe some of you online, you're not back to church yet because you legitimately can't be back. What about those of you online that are saying, I want to come back and I'm afraid to come back? What about for you in this room that you're saying, I'm afraid? Maybe God wants to kill that fear tonight. Does that fear have you imprisoned? Are you imprisoned in your fear? It can die tonight. Can you imagine what it would be like to be free from that? You can in Jesus. So the question is, how? How do I die tonight? It's really quite simple. It begins with prayer. Jesus, I need you to kill these things in my life tonight. We're here at a funeral tonight. We're not to Sunday yet. It's coming. It's going to be fantastic. But life comes after death. Jesus said, you want to gain the whole world, come and die in me first. So how do you die tonight? You simply say, Jesus, I need to die tonight. Kill me, kill those things in me in your death, so that in you I may have a brand new life. So in just a little bit, we're going to have a moment where you can come up and you can nail sins on an index card to the cross. Oh, it's symbolic. Absolutely, it's symbolic. but not really. If you know there are things in your life that you want Jesus to kill, come up and pray that simple prayer and ask him and watch him take those things down to the grave and watch you and him come back on Sunday morning from death. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we can't imagine being free from all of these things in our life. We want to, we understand that you died, but we can't imagine that we can also die in you and then come back to life tonight. Come back to life tomorrow. Come back to life on Sunday at Easter. So Lord, we ask you, help us to hear the bells of your death tonight. And know they are also death bells for us. Friends, when you hear the death bells of Christ tonight, know they also ring for you.